Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Awesome, awesome. Have you grab a seat this morning? So good to be in the house. And uh, I have uh, been here with you guys at Metro before, but it's always great to be back. Pastor Jeff and Rhonda have been uh, heroes of mine for many, many years. I remember just a young man growing up, and I remember walking into my house. I probably was around the age of 10 or 11, and sitting in my house with my father, Pastor Jeff, uh, a few of the other leaders of the movement at the time. I remember actually walking in, and I wasn't doing so great in my journey with God. And I remember thinking, why would these intelligent, powerful men be giving their lives for the kingdom of God? I can still remember that thought. And uh, praise God, he got a hold of my life a few years later and uh, set me alight for the kingdom of God as well. And it's been a great privilege to, to uh, see Pastor Jeff and Rhonda as they've just led our movement for many, many years and been a great uh, inspiration to me and so many others. You are blessed to have these guys as your pastors. Let me just say, how about you give these guys a huge hand this morning? Here leading you guys. Such a blessing. Uh, as Pastor Jeff said, I am uh, pastor at our City Point West location. Our West location is, is in a, a small suburb called Anala. If you know uh, Brisbane at all, you'd know Anala is probably the lowest socioeconomic uh, suburb within the whole of Queensland. We have huge social issues within that area. Uh, very multicultural um, part of Anala. 17% in fact of Anala is Vietnamese. Huge uh, African population. If Pastor Jeff and I walked through the, the shopping centre on, uh, on a Saturday morning, we'd probably be the only white guys walking through the shopping centre. And uh, God has placed me there, and I'm so grateful. Been there for the last eight years, and we've just seen God move so incredibly. Our, our community influence just significantly skyrocketing as we're helping thousands of families every week. Um, many, many asylum seekers, refugees within our community. Huge issues with drugs, alcohol. I think in the last 12 months, I've nearly been beaten up about 15 times. Uh, we had, uh, after a Sunday uh, night church service, we had a street fight out in front of the church. A couple of our uh, young teenagers were... We've been a bit smart with someone across the road, end up a hundred people in there and having a massive street fight. And myself and my son and a bunch of leaders trying to break up kids and end up 20 cop cars turned up. And, and uh, we, we've had some significant challenges in our area, but also seen God do incredible miracles. Seeing Islamic people come to Christ, seeing uh, Hindus come to Christ, seeing God moving in, in Buddhist people's lives. People coming, just walk into church because they had dreams that God had spoken to them, had no idea who Jesus was, would walk in, find Jesus powerfully, seeing lives transformed incredibly. Is God just moving? And, and some stuff that I just can't even explain, just the power of what God is doing. Still a few challenges there, no doubt about it. Uh, still a few issues. Uh, one of my staff didn't come to Anala for a week just recently because a family was trying to kill her. So there's still a few challenges there, no doubt about it. And, but God is just powerfully doing a work and we're seeing our church just grow and enlarge and uh, privileged to be a part of the kingdom of God, privileged to be a part of what God's doing in the house and uh, so privileged just to be here with you guys this morning. As Pastor Jeff said, I'm also over here uh, this week, tomorrow morning, get on a plane, 5am, head to Exmouth, go spearfishing for the next five days and then uh, return here next Saturday and helping a mate open a spearfishing store as well, which is really, really cool. And uh, I love my diving, love my spearfishing, my mate Hal flew all the way over from New York to come diving for a week and obviously be at Metro Church as well, but uh, to come diving with me for a week, which is really cool. I got in at 5am 
this morning. And, uh, and you know, my message this morning is entitled Alone. And a number of years ago, I was out in a boat and I'd been spearfishing all day. It was getting late in the afternoon and I said to my mate, let's go home. It was a bit rough. It was a bit windy and just started to rain. And we pulled up at the last spot, dropped the anchor, jumped in the water. And uh, we're, we're swimming around just... I did a dive down to the bottom and there was a whole school of fish called Jobfish and I shot one. And I come back up and I'm like, let's go home. I've shot a really cool fish. Time to go home. And my mate's like, no, no, let me just try and shoot one. So I said, I'll throw the fish in the boat and just keep an eye on you. I threw the fish in the boat and I heard a noise that you don't like hearing. It's a splash. And, and I'm like, that's a bit weird. Why did I hear a splash? I figured I threw the fish over and it landed the other side of the boat. It looked under, no, there's no fish sinking. Looked into the boat and the boat's half full of water. I was obviously at that moment in a bit of a panic, jumped in, flicked on the bilge and uh, the bilge pumped out a little bit of water, but more water was coming in than going out. And again, it just started getting a bit windier, started raining. I said to my mate, mate, we need to jump in the boat. We're in trouble. Uh, he climbed over the side. Just his pressure at the back of the boat caused more water to come into the boat. And, and it was, the situation was going bad really quick. I said to my mate, get on the nose of the boat quickly, get on the nose. He hopped on the nose. I'm trying to get the bilge working better, but water's just pouring into the boat. And I got to the stage where I said, man, if we don't get this motor started and this boat moving, this boat's going down. We're, we're going to sink right now. It just so quickly just went from bad to worse. Uh, so my mate jumped on the nose and, and he decided he's going to go around and pull the bungs out of the boat, pull the bungs out of the boat so I could start driving, got the motor going, started driving forward. He had to just cut the anchor rope because I couldn't even pull the anchor. There was just too much water coming over the back of the boat. And I left my mate in the middle of this reef holding on to a rope. Now, I knew where the spot he was. I had on the GPS, all good. So I just started driving. I'm driving sort of with the wind. There was so much water in the boat that water was actually coming out of the boat and going in at the same time. I'm like, we're, we're going down, where this boat's going down. But after about 30 seconds, I noticed the water just started to drain, so I wasn't actually going over the back anymore, and I realised it's draining out. I was actually standing on the front of the boat, steering backwards like that, trying to just keep the weight forward in the boat. We, we're going, I was going at this stage for about two or three minutes, and the motor, it's just enough to get the boat up on the plane. And I'm like, Whoa, okay, it's all good. I'm going to turn around, and I go back and pick up my mate. Probably half the water had come out of the boat. I jumped over into the boat to look at the GPS to see where to turn around. Just as I started to turn, the motor went and just stopped. At that stage, the wake of the boat went over the back of the boat, filled in all the water that had already come out, and I realised I probably had 20 seconds before that boat was going down. So I grabbed my, my bag out, opened up my bag to get my phone, pulled my phone out, and the boat just turned upside down. Landed on my legs, hit me a little bit, and I had to climb out from underneath the boat. And uh, this is probably 4.30, 5, five o'clock in the afternoon. My phone's now underwater, so I just threw that over my shoulder and uh, climbed in under the boat, pulled a bucket out that was inside the boat that had an EPIRB in it and some flares and some things like that and just sat on that bucket. You know, I sat there alone. I sat there for probably an hour. In my head, I'm thinking uh, I'm probably five and a half kilometres from shore it's going to be an interesting swim in that night. The boat was sort of sitting beside me with just the tip of the nose as it was bouncing, just sticking out of the water. I knew my mate was probably a kilometre away from me sitting in the middle of what's called Nine Mile Reef and I was alone. You know, it was one of those moments that you feel a little lonely. There's nobody anywhere near you. It was a rough day. It was late in the afternoon. 
way off in the distance, I can see a trawler that's lights had just turned on as they're heading out to sea to go and trawl for prawns. I was sitting there and watched the sun just starting to disappear and I thought it's probably about now that I should set off a flare to try and get somebody's attention. If I set off a flare, maybe one of those trawler guys can see the flare. And I I was debating for a while, should I do that, should I not, should I just wait and hold the flares till someone else maybe drives by. And I I I thought, that's it, I'm just going to set one off. I opened the bucket, pulled out the red flare and I set it off. The thing just exploded in my hand. It was like, if this day could get any worse, I don't know how right now. It's going from boat sinking, I'm sitting there by myself, my mate's a, a kilometre away sitting by himself holding on to an anchor rope, and, and I've got now a burnt hand from my flare going off in my hand. Uh, I grabbed the second one, it was an orange smoke flare, and I'm like, set that thing off. You know, I set that flare off, and, and off in the distance I see a boat just do a yui and come straight at me. And uh, the boat got closer, my mate standing on the nose of that boat. Just so happened, another friend of ours, a line fisherman, had been driving past Nine Mile Reef on his way home, saw my mate in the middle of the reef, picked him up. My mate's like, where's the boat? And the guy's like, I don't know. Just at that moment, I set off that orange flare. Now, that was probably just as the sun was going underneath the horizon. And I was very glad when I saw that boat coming, even more glad when I saw my mate standing on the front of it. You know that hour, hour and a half just sitting there? You can feel really alone. You can feel really, really alone. You know the sun's going down. You know you've got a fair swim to get in. You know it's pretty rough and rainy and no one's probably going to rescue you. That alone feeling is a powerful one. In fact, today they say loneliness is one of the greatest things that is sweeping the globe today. The feeling of loneliness, the feeling of being alone. In fact, Time magazine did an article recently about loneliness the, the basis of the article was talking about in Britain today, they've actually put in place in Parliament a minister for loneliness. Such is loneliness sweeping the globe today. In this Time magazine article, they said 14% of the population of UK feels like it in some moments of their life they're feeling alone. One third of Americans over the age of 40 feel alone. Huge challenges of loneliness in our day and age, which is strange because we're more connected than ever before, yet we're disconnected. Loneliness is huge. In fact, they tell us in ages 50 to 75 is the greatest rate of loneliness we see in the world today. People whose children have left home, whose family have left, friends are dying. Now loneliness is ruling their lives, followed closely by 12 to 30-year-olds. Huge rates of loneliness. Again, more connected before, but more disconnected than ever has been In history of the world, people are battling loneliness, battling the fear of being alone, fear of not having someone with them. The psalmist in Psalm 94 writes in verse 17 and 18, If the Lord had not helped me, I would have gone quickly to the land of silence. What a picture of loneliness right there, that land of silence. Let me tell you, sitting beside a boat for an hour and a half, just waiting for the sun to go down, is the land of silence. The wind could be raging, it can be raining all around, but the loneliness that goes on in your heart at moments like that. Loneliness, if you have a look at what it means to be lonely, it means a thing like a, a feeling that is indescribable to those, in fact, that have not um, ever felt it. It's a feeling that needs no description to those that, in fact, have felt it. That desolate feeling of being left out, being left behind or being all alone forever. 
If you look it up in the Urban Dictionary, it says this. It's an adjective describing one who finds him or himself or herself looking up words such as lonely on urbandictionary.com because he or she misses his or her loved ones so much that they would spend time looking it up. If you have a look further, it's that powerful feeling of emptiness, that isolation, feeling disconnected, being alienated from other people. In fact, Princess Diana said this of loneliness. Loneliness is the worst pain in this world. It constantly eats away at a person's heart and can cause the person to hate and to feel enraged. It is like a wound of the heart, the type of wounds that cannot go away with a kiss or a hug. The only thing that can make this pain, this great pain go away is love and compassion from another human heart. What an incredible, incredible statement of what loneliness looks like in our world today. Some of you may be walking through that moment of loneliness. Some of you may have friends around you right now battling this deep challenge of the heart. In fact, again, we look across the world, we see it so powerfully. Psychology Today wrote a report about loneliness and the effects that it has on the body. In fact, it says the effects on the body of loneliness is like smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And in fact, is worse than obesity on the body. What a strange thought. What a strange fact. I've been lonely before. In fact, a couple of years ago, I went and visited my mate Hal. I walked through the streets of New York. And if you've ever walked through the streets of New York, heading down to Times Square, I was going down to have dinner with Hal, who works uh, just in the middle of Times Square there. As I was walking down there, I, I never went for a moment that I was alone. But I can tell you during those hours of walking through there, it was lonely. There was people bumping shoulders with me consistently. You know, the reality of loneliness doesn't need to be alone. You can be sitting on a beach alone and not be lonely. You can be sitting on a beach alone and have great peace around your life. Loneliness is a powerful thing. It's an internal thing and not just wrapped up in the external world. We understand that loneliness is a powerful thing, but being alone is also a powerful thing. Psychology Today, in the, in the article, talked about the power of solitude. They talked about if we understand solitude, we as believers know that one of the great spiritual disciplines of our lives is the discipline of solitude. In fact, the psalmist writes in Psalm 46 that we should be still and know that he is God. There's a a aloneness moment in our lives of walking with God that is so powerful. Lamentations in Lamentations 3 says the Lord is good that those who wait for him, goes on in verse 28, says they sit alone in silence. There is a power in being alone. There is a power in understanding that. Again, we live in a world that is so filled with people and things that loneliness is bigger than the power and the ability to just be alone. Psychology Today in their article went on to say, if you can go into solitude by making a decision to go into solitude, it's a powerful thing for your life. In fact, if you can go into that by making a decision and make a decision to step out of it when you need to, it can be life-changing for you. It said the only warning is if you can't, discipline your mind solitude is always dangerous hence the power of the church hence the power of what God has called us to be today I want to just give a couple of thoughts and from a few moments just walk through what this looks like in our lives and how it is we can actually walk through the battle of loneliness that is really ravaging our world today and if not for us how we can walk others through the great battle 
of loneliness in our lives. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 19. If you have a Bible, I'd love you to go there. I think we may even have those on the screens. Uh, In 1 Kings 19, there's a story of a man by the name of Elijah. I love this guy's story. He was a powerful prophet, a powerful man of God, one of those guys that did so many great things for God that people looked up to him. In fact, if we skip back uh, a couple of chapters, this guy saw great victories and, and saw God bring fire down from heaven to set a sacrifice that was covered in water alight. I don't know about you, but I think if I saw that, I'd be feeling pretty good about myself. The Bible tells us in a few moments after that, he runs for his dear life because a woman comes after him to kill him. Now, I don't know about you. This guy seems like an amazing guy doing amazing things. And if you know your Bible, he did great, great miracles. But now we pick him up in chapter 19. He's hiding away in a cave. He's hiding away from everything that's going on around. And I can guarantee you he's probably a little bit lonely. He's sitting there by himself. In fact, let's read his words in verse 9. And there he went into a cave and he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, Elijah, what are you doing here in this place? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenants. They have torn down your altars. They have killed your prophets with the sword. Listen to his words. And I alone am left. And they seek to take my life. Here he is in a cave. He's seen great victories. He's seen great things happen. But now he's sitting in a cave. God's speaking to him and his response is this. God, I alone am left. Here I am sitting miserably in my cave. You know, if you go back just one chapter, he's standing before God and he makes his statement. He says, God, they've killed all your prophets and I alone am here. Yet I know you're going to do a miracle. And he caused fire to come down from heaven and set that thing alight. Isn't it incredible that our moment of being alone can turn into a moment of loneliness in just an instant? For him, a chapter. For him, a chapter it was. Just a chapter in his life. Just a moment. Just a situation. Just a thing. Turned his moment of victory, his declaration. I'm the last one. I'm the greatest one still to be. God, you're going to do a great miracle through me now. He repeats those words and says, I alone am left sitting, hiding away in this cave. The land of silence, again, as the psalmist said, I'm now in my land of silence. How do we walk out of this? I want to use his story just to see how we can walk out of this in our own life here today. Verse 11. Then he said, go and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks to pieces, but the Lord was not in the wind, and the, and the wind, an earthquake, and the Lord was not in the earthquake. The story goes on to say that God speaks to him again, says, What are you doing here? You know, as a believer in the house, if you genuinely battle loneliness, the greatest thing you can do in your life is come and stand before God. Now, can I be just a really honest preacher this morning? As, as believers, one of our greatest challenges is that we can come to so much religion in our lives and miss the reality of genuinely standing before God. You could have sat in the seats today and sung every one of those seats passionately. You could have sung them with your whole life, but not even related to and not even allowed your heart actually touch God. 
I've been a believer most of my life. I've had a few moments that I've journeyed away from God. I grew up in the house of God. I, I knew Pastor Jeff since I was just a little child. But I tell you what, there's been many moments in my life when that was just simple religion and not a standing before God moment in my life. And I want to be really honest with you. If, if for you, your spirituality is wrapped up in religion, loneliness will only amplify because religion without actually relating to and really having a relationship with a living God only brings guilt and condemnation to your heart that amplifies the challenges of loneliness that are already on the inside of you. For you and I, we're going to realize that our walk with God should never just be wrapped up with religion. You know, I have great people come and step foot in my church, maybe being Christians their whole life, but step foot in my church and and when they step foot in there and start to worship God and start to relate to other Christian people, come to a realization that, you know what, I've walked as a Christian my whole life, but never known God. So many believers just like that. We walk as Christians. We follow the rules. We do our Bible reading. We, we come and be in the house. We say amen when Pastor Jeff is preaching. We even laugh at his jokes when they're not funny. But do we know Christ? Are you relating to him every day? Is he actually moving in your heart? Has he spoken to you recently? Has he pulled you back and said, hey, you need to walk this way? Has he, has he come and just let his presence be on you? Has the Holy Spirit just moved over you like he did maybe for some of you many years ago? Has he moved again afresh on your life? You know, we're battling with loneliness as believers because sometimes we haven't felt the presence of the Holy Spirit on our lives. Man, we're still Pentecostal because we call ourselves, but we've lost the reality of a Holy Spirit that's moving with us every day. That's moving in our hearts, moving in our lives. It's challenging us every day. That when we step foot in the house, we feel in the presence of God. When was the last time you felt His presence in your life? When was the last time you just knew tangibly, He's here with me right now. He's, he's moving in my life. He's moving in my family. I can't do without Him. We're going to be so careful. This prophet... This man of God, this man of God now stands before the presence of God, steps out of his lonely place, steps out of his land of silence and now stands before the living God. Some of us maybe haven't been standing before God the way we once were. That doesn't mean we're backslidden, doesn't mean we're in sin. It just means we've, we've not practiced the presence the way we should. We've wrapped ourselves around our rules and our religion and just missed the beauty of just a relationship with Jesus Christ that's life-changing every day. It's transforming every day. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. We forget the reality that He's walking with us every day. Let me ask you, how many of us come to the great challenges in our lives and the first response is to go to another person and say, how do I walk through this? Forget the response that once was so real in our hearts. Get on our knees and say, God, visit me with your presence and show me that it's going to be okay. Remind me that you're here beside me right now. I know my life sucks right now. I know that doctor's report's just terrible. I know my finances aren't where I'm at, but God, just remind me you're here by my side. You're here walking with me today. I, I as a pastor, have needed many of these moments in my life. I've ministered and preached messages and forgot to practice the presence of God. It happens to the priests, it happens to the prophets, it happens to the pastors. Hey, church, we've got to be careful. It doesn't happen in our lives where religion 
becomes a reality of what we know of our walk with God. Verse 14, and he said, I've been very zealous. He's speaking to God. For the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenants. They've torn down your altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. And now again, he makes a statement. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. You can imagine this guy probably being at the worst moment of his life. This wasn't a moment that he looked back and go, wow, that was good days. That cave was really cool. I love that. I love the way that the sun shone on the cave entrance. It was just, he's not going to look back like that, is he? He's going to look back and say, that was the worst moment of my life. I was dead alone. I had nobody there. You know, something needed to change right here. Right now in him, a voice that had been victory now has become a voice of negativity. If we're going to walk away from loneliness, the second thing we need to do is actually remove some of those negative voices in our lives. Now, we always have three. Number one, our own, sometimes the worst voice. Number two, the enemy. And number three, just people around us in our world. We always have three lots of negative voices. You know, the first one, our own voice is the toughest to shut up, isn't it? It's tough. Other voices, we can walk away from people. I know as a young pastor, I had negative voices. Some of them were great leaders that were in my world speaking negatively about where God had called me to be, where I knew God had called me to be and where they wanted me to be. I had to shut negative voices out of my world. So sometimes we do that with people. We had to remove them, take them out. I'm not going to listen to that anymore. The enemy, sometimes we've got to be really clear of the enemy's voice that comes to speak. The Bible continually speaks about this. Paul, many of his letters, talks about the the, the battle that goes on in our mind, the battle of our own hearts and the battle of the enemy. Paul writes to the Corinthian church. He writes to the Ephesians church. He writes continually to the early churches about this battle that goes on on the inside of us. I want to encourage you. The battle out of loneliness is a battle of closing some voices. What are the negative voices that speak into your world? I know the negative voices that speak into mine, speak into me about where I'm at. When the enemy comes, we're to stop and say, devil, you are a liar. He only knows deception. He only knows lies. You can only speak that. But also we need to stop and say, mine, come on right now. Come on right now. Paul wrote and said, be not conformist to the world, be transformed by the renewing of the mind. He spoke to us about the battle of our warfare. It's not one through flesh and blood, principalities and powers. There's a battle that goes on there. But that understanding of the renewing of the mind. We're going to realize that right now, every day we're walking through that battle as believers. I think all of us, when we just stop and have a take on our minds, on where we're at, all know that we need to say, God, every day, wash my mind. Holy Spirit, when your presence is on me, washing my mind. Washing my thinking, washing my believing, washing my believing. What are your negative voices right now? Is there negative voices outside? Is there external ones that you need to just begin to remove out of your world? Is those negative voices just internal, screaming at you when you later go to sleep at night, your head on a pillow, those voices are screaming at you, screaming at your world. Some of us need to remove Those negative voices, verse 15 and 16. Then he said to him, go return your way to the wilderness. When you arrive, anoint Hazel, king of Syria. Goes on, says, anoint Jehu to be king over Israel Israel, and anoint Elisha to be prophet in your place. Let Let me just stop here for a moment. If you're having a moment of loneliness, 
you say, God, I'm going to come and stand before you. I'm going to start removing the negative voice in my life. I'm standing before you. And then God says this. Now, I want you to go and anoint somebody else to take over from you. Who thinks that rejection would only get bigger? Can I have some honesty in the house? This is real stuff. Listen to this. God says now, man, you're you're getting over yourself. You're walking out of this. Come on. Now I want you to go and anoint that guy. He's going to take over from you. Everyone else has rejected you. The queen hates you. The king hates you. All the people hate you. You know what? I may as well replace you as well. I reckon at that moment right there, some of us would struggle with what God actually had to say. True. Some of us would struggle right there. But something happened in here. Vision come alive in a guy again. Can I be really clear? If we're going to walk through, in this day and age, a day of loneliness, if we're going to walk our lives through the battle of loneliness, we always need vision speaking to us. We always do. We always need a vision for our future, a vision for where God's leading the church, a vision for where God's leading us as individuals and a group of people. Here's this guy. God now speaks to him. He's seen victory, seen great moments. He's at his worst moment. And God speaks to him again and says, hey, there's something more for you. He's an old guy, mature in his walk, mature in his journey as a prophet, seen the victories of the past, but now he's here again. And God's saying there's vision afresh. You know, I think of this great church, Metro Church. Many years of great victories, many years. I have looked from afar as I've watched God just do miracles here in Western Australia. Many years of great things for Pastor Jeff to come and plant a church over here and just see God move and see other churches planted, see God just do great things in this city through this church. Red Frogs making a difference so powerfully right across this region. It's incredible. But I think in the midst of that, God still speaks to us and says, hey, you know what? I'm not finished with you. You may have been doing this for 20 years. You may have been on the journey for 30 years. But you know what? God's not finished with what he's going to do. There's got to be vision that keeps speaking to us. Otherwise, we end up in our cave, kicking rocks against the wall. What are we doing here? Why are we doing the things we're doing? You know, when vision comes alive in us again, you know, I love listening to your senior pastor. I love listening to Pastor Jeff. Every time I speak to him, he's always saying, God's done this new. God's opened this new door. This thing's happened. He, he never tells me, oh, we're just doing the same thing. He never is. He's always showing me the new things that God's doing through the house because there's vision still in the heart of your senior pastor. You know, for us as a church, if we're going to make sure we never get trapped in the, in the picture of loneliness, vision needs to speak to us again and again and again and again. Speak to our lives. Speak to our hearts. Sometimes we get so busy just doing life, we forget the vision of why we're doing it. We get so busy doing church, forget the reason for why we're doing what we're doing, what God has called us to do. You know, the church is a wonderful thing. The vision of the house of God is a wonderful thing. If you're brand new in this house, I encourage you, buy into the vision of this house. Vision to see a city transformed for Jesus Christ. Vision to see the brokenness of this city made whole and set free and set alight. Buy into the vision of this house. This is a great house, a great place to buy a vision. If you're feeling lonely today, let the vision speak into your world, speak into your life. Verse 15 and 16 again. He says, now go and anoint Jehu, go and anoint Hazel and take Elisha on the journey with you. 
You know, the journey out of loneliness is always done with other people. A couple of weeks ago, I woke up in the middle of the night. I need to go to the bathroom. And it was like two in the morning. It was pitch black. And in, my, in our room, my wife and I had blackout curtains. It was pitch black. I got up to go to the bathroom. I thought I was walking to the bathroom alone. But what I didn't realize, my wife had woken up maybe a minute before me and gone to the bathroom herself. You know, I, I stepped through that bathroom door to be confronted face to face with my wife. Unfortunately, you know, the fight or flight, my wife has no flight whatsoever. No flight. In fact, our first year of marriage, I was a bruised and beaten man. No flight whatsoever. Face to face with my wife. Wow, karate, killing me. You know, that, it wasn't just her beating me. It was the electricity went through my body that I realized that somebody was right there in my face. You know, loneliness is always conquered together. Can I be really clear? The greatest thing this world needs today is the church. Not a building. My God, it doesn't need a building. Not a, rules and regulations. But a group of people united in vision and purpose. United in what God has called us to do. United in who God has called us to be. A group of people. I, I look back on the last 20 years of serving God. I look back on the beauty of that and every great memory I've got is wrapped up in serving God with somebody else. Wrapped up in having vision with somebody else. Wrapped up in making a difference with somebody else. You know, we can come and walk into this house and be the first to rush out when we bow our heads and close our eyes in two minutes' time. I want to encourage you. If you're one of those experts, and I've been in church a long time. We have some experts of leaving early. We know where to sit so we can get to that back door. We know when the pastor's head bows, what that means. We know what it means when it's time to pray. We know what it means when the guys, the ushers, the scary looking guys stand on the door trying to stop us from escaping. We know what it means when they close their eyes for a moment. It's the moment to sneak by and no one's going to see us. Can I speak to you experts for a moment? Engage in church vision and engage with people. I tell you, the world needs it and you need it. I need it. I need the people I walk with every day. I need the great people that are in my life that stand beside me, have faith with me. Ecclesiastes says two are better than one. Proverbs tells us iron sharpens iron, so a friend is countenance. There is a power of what we do together. Church, we are better together. We're more powerful together. We're life changing together. We are world altering together. It's got to be done together. It's got to be done together. This guy comes and he throws his mantle over Elisha. I want you to notice something. And I'll give you this as we close. God says to him, now go the way of Damascus. He says, go now return to the place of brokenness and fear and challenge and take somebody with you. You know, the greatest journey of taking people with us is the journey of of walking through unforgiveness. You know, loneliness so often just wrapped up in the challenges of the world that we've faced, the issue that we've gone through, the problems that we've had to deal with. Now, I know we're the church. I know we sing of wholeness here today with beautiful songs. Yet at time, unforgiveness is a ruler in the lives of people, even his church. I know your pastor probably preached to you many times on it. You know, the greatest picture we have 
is a picture of a loving saviour that forgives. That forgives. And the Bible tells us, enables you and I to forgive. If you're going to walk with people, if you're going to be one of those that struggles to walk with people, you'll have to deal with that forgiveness in your own life. And it always starts with acknowledging Jesus' forgiveness, acknowledging his great grace. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we finish here today. Great grace, great grace. Jesus, you gave us all great grace. Jesus, some of us walked in to your grace carrying a whole bunch of baggage, a whole bunch of mess, things that we did, challenges in our world, challenges in our life. God, but we come and acknowledge your grace. Your grace that healed us and your grace that's healing people all around us today. We acknowledge it, Jesus. We acknowledge it, Jesus. God, we thank you for all you're doing in our hearts and our lives. And Lord, even as your word spoke to us today about our own journey, our journey together, Jesus, we thank you for your grace. God, I pray right now for people right across this room. Maybe there's some that have struggled in their own lives with loneliness. Maybe some battled with the loss of loved ones, with the loss of friends, the loss of family. Jesus, today I pray that you'd minister to those this morning. Lord, as your word has already begun to minister to their hearts, you minister to them by your spirit. They would know your presence is here with them today. Jesus, for those who maybe struggle with unforgiveness, The thought of taking others on this journey with us is so fearful. God, I pray that you minister to them as well. Minister to their lives. My God, for the rest of us as the church, that you'd set us again with vision for a city that's wrapped in loneliness. God, people may not have nothing when it comes to possessions, But hearts are empty. Hearts are empty as they're isolated and lonely. God, set us a light afresh with passion for our city. Passion for the city of Perth. With people right now, right across this city that don't know you, nor do they have anyone walking with them. Set us a light as a church, I pray, my God. We'd run together. Because we're better together. My heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Just as I prepare to hand back to Pastor Jeff. Maybe you don't know Christ this morning. Maybe you've never walked with him. You've never known his grace. Or maybe in the past you have and you know your life's grown distant from him. In these brief last moments, I'd ask you, is today your day to come back into relationship with Jesus Christ? Come back into the knowledge of Jesus. Come back into His presence. Allow Him to be around your life. This moment could be a profound moment for you, a life-changing one, like it was for me many years ago. My heads are bowed and eyes are closed right here today as I finish. If you're here right now and you need Jesus, I'd love you to give me a wave here in this house. I'm going to pray with you. Pray a short prayer of invitation, saying, I need Jesus in my world. Is anyone like that today? 
quickly across this room. This is a great moment for you. Don't miss this moment. Jesus is here to meet with you. Anyone like that today? Great moment in your life. So close here and look across this room one more time. Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you for Metro Church Perth. I thank you for all you've called it to be. I thank you for its future. I thank you for the vision. God, I thank you for just a moment here with this church. God, a blessing to me and a blessing to many others. I thank you for Pastor Jeff and Rhonda. I thank you for all you've called them to be. I thank you for the blessing they've been in my life so hugely. God, I pray for a great future in this house. In Jesus' wonderful, wonderful name. Amen.